welcome back to The Samantha Show. I'm your host, Samantha. You can call me Sam, just don't call me Sammy. And I am here with the beautiful Jessica Martin. Jess and I, Jessica, Jess, is there anything I shouldn't call you? Like, you, like I don't go by Sammy. Is there anything you refuse to be called? So you can call me Jessica and you can call me Jess. Just don't call me Jessie. Ooh, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hate Jessie. Don't call That's me that. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. Well, Jess and I met in the pageant world. I, admittedly, I was kind of following her journey and in all of her. Uh, Jess has a wardrobe collection unlike anything I've ever seen in my life and is just like jaw dropping every time I see her. So uh, but that's not why I have her here, although we could talk about clothing at some point in time. But Jess is here because I want to talk to her kind of about her story. Jess and I met in the in the pageant world, in the pageant industry, and we were chatting recently about what was next, what was on deck. And Jess, I hope it's okay that I share. You'd shared with me that you were going to work on writing a memoir about your life because you've had so many things happen. And so I, I said, tell me a little bit about what's going on, what what should, this is going to be about. And as soon as Jess shared these stories, I was like, wow, can, can you share them on my podcast? Like, this is incredible. And so now we're here. So that's what we're going to talk about. But before we do, Jess, I start every single show with the three things you need to know. And you get to kick it off for us as the guest. So can you share with the people, what is the first thing that people need to know? So I had to think about this for a while because I'm like, so much pressure, only three things. But going in line with kind of my journey, kind of a healing journey in my message, I think everybody should know what the law of attraction is. And the most simple way to put that is Dr. Dyer said, you get what you think about whether you want it or not. That is always in my head. So when I start going on a negative thought train, which we do all day, every day, right? It's just nature. You have to stop yourself and say, hold on, how can I look at this differently? So that's something everyone should know. I really love that one. I had, I interviewed uh, a guy that is trying to break the world record for the amount of pull-ups done in a year. And that was the first thing he told us we needed to know as well. And I firmly believe in that too. I actually have uh, the titles that I would like to win hanging behind my computer screen so I can see them every day. (laughs) I love that, Jess. That's amazing. Okay. What's the second thing that people need to know? So my second thing that I thought I should share is more of a visual. So I'm gonna have to send it to you to share called an emotional scale. And it also goes along with your journey of healing. It shows like most main emotions in life and how they vibrate because everything is energy, right? So down here at the bottom, you have grief and up here you have like joy and peace. And so when you're down here, like hanging out in anger or sadness, you can give yourself grace knowing you have to like take one step at a time. You're not just going to get to, oh, I love my life. You know, it's very helpful to remind yourself, what's the next best feeling I can feel right now to get slowly feeling better. I like that. It's not this idea that it's all the way down here, all the way to the top. Like it's just about making some level of progress. Is that right? Correct. Like if you're hanging out in grief, um, and you want to be happy, um, a lot of the times you have to go through anger first. 
and that's okay. It's okay to be angry. Sometimes anger feels better than shame or whatever's below it. I don't have it memorized, so you'll have to look at it and understand. Okay, remind me what this is called or how can the people find this to look at it? So it is called an emotional vibrational scale. I don't exactly remember. Like I said, a visual of it will be the best thing to look at. And it's something I have on my phone and I refer to often. I'm going to check that out because I think that can be a really helpful tool, just like that awareness um, around kind of those different emotions and navigating through them and making that progress um, and giving yourself permission to feel the different things that you need to feel um, to heal. Um, So I, I, I like that one. Okay. What's the third thing that people need to know? So I woke up some from some really vivid dreams today and I'm like, I'm able to decode my dreams pretty easily. It's something that my sisters will call me and ask me, what does this dream mean? Um, It's something I like to do for people. Um, So one particular thing I think everyone should know when you have a dream, if you have a dream of a house, number one, a house always represents your whole self. Like, and then the part of the house that you're in represents different parts of your body. Like if you're up in the attic, you're up in your head space. And if there's a lot of clutter up in the attic, that represents a cluttered mind. And then if you're down in the basement and the basement's flooded, that can mean a a whole lot of different things too, with your feeling of security and what, um, I feel like it usually means I have to go to the bathroom. Right. (laughs) I mean, it very well could. Um, And I think that's really cool. That's really cool. And then one other thing is that emotions are usually translated with the weather in your dreams. So if you're someone who sees thunder, I mean, there's usually anger there. It's pretty, when you think about it, it's actually pretty easy to translate. What's kind of the theme around waves? I've had a couple of dreams where there's pretty significant like tidal type waves, you know, like big ones coming in into a house, into a house, like from the outside uh, when I'm inside kind of trying to get away from it. What, what, what would the comprehension or understanding be of a dream like that? So water is definitely a very common dream. Um, last night, one of my dreams was I was in an airport, which if you think about an airport, you're getting ready to take off somewhere. And I'm working on my book, as you said, so I'm getting ready to, and I've been thinking about it a lot because we were going to talk today. So I'm in this place of getting ready to go somewhere. And then a huge tidal wave came into my airport. So I love that you said that and asked about that because a tidal wave can be something you're scared of coming and washing it all away. Or it could be a positive thing, like a tidal wave can clear everything that is around you and give you a clean space. Wow. It kind of depends on on what happens too. Like when the wave comes, like I was smiling in my dream for some reason when there was a wave. Yeah. If you were scared in it, I mean, it could mean different things. If it took things away from your space, you have to think about all those different things. Yeah. Okay, this is cool. So now I know who I need to text if I get some wild dream. Do it. I'll, I'll do my Shoot best you to message. help you. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Jess, for sharing those three things. Really fascinating. Um, so I want to get into our conversation here. And so when we first connected, you, I, I knew we 
you had shared with me, I think the first time we met in person at, at that workshop preparing for the Captivating Pageant, that you uh, had lived in Alaska. You were from Alaska, which is very fascinating to me. It's, it's on my bucket list. I really want to go visit. We had chatted then, but our conversation kind of took deeper meaning when we connected last week. And you shared that, uh, let me see if I can pronounce this correctly, Anupiak Eskimo? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. good job. Yes. So you shared that you're a Nupiak Eskimo. And can you share a little bit with us what it what what that means living in Alaska, what that was like growing up? I know you shared there were some stereotypes around that, um, which also you witnessed in your life and just some of that background information. It really brought me up to speed and any listener up to speed with uh, that culture and what it's kind of like living in Alaska. Thank you for sharing, especially since it's an Indigenous Peoples Day yes. Slack Week. Perfect timing. It was. Um, so yes, I am a Nupiak Eskimo, and my great-grandmother, or my grandmother was full-blooded Eskimo. So she grew up in a small village in northern Alaska, and I grew up in the big city. Eventually, most people end up in the city, even if just temporarily, just because it's an easier way of life, right? So in school... I, when I was a kid, I did not like talking about it or sharing it because it had such negative connotations. Um, a lot of Alaska natives struggle with homelessness and alcoholism and drugs. And my family was absolutely part of that. So it's just now in my adult age that I'm proud to say that, hey, I'm, I'm from this culture that is very unique. And... A couple decades ago, um, when Alaska became a state, they almost tried to wipe out the whole culture. My grandmother's generation was sent to boarding schools, and they were not allowed to speak their native language. They would get abused if they did. So Mm. I come from a culture that was told not to be who you are. And so... To deal with that, I think a lot of people have turned to those things like drugs and alcohol. Like, okay, if I can't be what I am, what do I do about it, you know? So that's something that's been passed down a few generations now. And I eventually had to get out of that environment. My experiences weren't just my family. It's indigenous people as a whole. We're all struggling with traumas passed down. Yeah, I know you had shared that with me and I I feel it just to admit, admit it like just ignorant sometimes to to really what is um not only going on in our world, which is just crazy right now, always, um, and but also in our own country and our own history and our own past and our people who are here. And so um, I really appreciate you sharing that and opening my eyes to kind of that culture and what that looks like. I know now when you, you had shared that when you were younger and you were growing up, that you actually ended up dropping out of high school. Would you mind sharing kind of what led to that and the thought process behind that and where you went from there? So education, I think, was never a big deal in Native culture. Like, that's something that is American, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're from a different culture where for hundreds, I don't know, thousands of years, hundreds of thousands, you've lived off the land. Like, your whole life has been about subsistence living, 
like God and nature provides everything we need and you live around the seasons of fishing and hunting and but I grew up in a family where there was five kids and it was just never important like my mother never my mother had addiction problems so I lived in that uh, type of environment but it just wasn't pushed that it was something important. And I always want, knew that I wanted to be more than what I saw. Like I've always known that since a young age, like there's more to life than suffering, right? But how do I get there? So I tried really hard because I knew that, you know, if you have an education, you might have more opportunities in life. But eventually I got to that age of like 17, 18. I felt like I didn't know what to do with myself and why bother nobody else around me cared either. And, um, it wasn't actually until just this past year that I, again, realized it's not just a, my family thing, high school dropouts, um, indigenous people are number one across the country. Like that's a statistic. So once you left school, um, I want to take us to the point where you meet your husband. So, how old were you and how did you meet him? I met my husband at the young age of 18. Um, it was not very long after I dropped out of high school that I met yeah. my husband. Um, he was stationed up there in Alaska at Fort Richardson. It's now called Jaber. But um, he was this gorgeous soldier that I met through MySpace. Yes. Yes. Um <laughs> So we talked for a few weeks online and then eventually met and had quite the whirlwind romance. We got engaged yeah. after like five months and got married at eight months. And then you shared really, what was it, like 36 hours after you got married? He <laughs> was yep. sent to Iraq? Yeah. So I think it was like a Monday morning. Uh, I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. And then by Wednesday, we've filed for a um, marriage license. So by Friday, we went and got hitched um, in the army barracks. And Sunday morning, he took off to Iraq for 15 months. Wow. So um, he then comes back and I know you shared a part of this story. That was really challenging. Can you share whatever you feel comfortable sharing about his return and kind of the struggle that came from that yeah so I go from you know trying to find a way out of my household my childhood household so I get married young but I'm I'm an old soul like I would never recommend another 18 19 year old to get married but I knew it was the right path for me so I have this even though my husband was not there I was in this place of like pure joy I was so happy we had this baby on the way Um, I had this husband who was off, you know, at war, but he was coming home to me soon. So I never really feared for his life when he was gone, even though he was in a war zone. It was really after he got back that it got really scary for us. It didn't take very long after he got home to realize that he was struggling with some really heavy stuff that he did and saw in Iraq. Um, And this was right around the time uh, people were throwing the words, the term PTSD around. It wasn't 
as known as it is now, right? At least yeah. in that term. We went on this gradual downhill slide because that generation of soldiers was still being told, like, be tough. Don't talk sure. about your stuff. Counseling was not cool. I think they've gotten a little better at it nowadays because I know some people who are still in and it's a different environment. But we had to hit several rock bottoms. Um, there's been many times where we could have just easily called it quits. Um, if you've seen the movie American Sniper, when he comes back and he's kind of hollow, you know, kind of disconnected from the world, yeah. definitely had a lot of that going on. One of his worst experiences was where he wanted to hang himself. And I called one of his friends and instead of him coming over to help us, he had called 911. So my husband spent many days, I can't remember how long, in a hospital. I think that needed to happen. Like at the time I was pretty ticked at his friend. Like, why would you yeah. do that to us? Yeah. But it made him realize, hey, we have to do something. Wow. So, Wow. We've, we've been through a lot. <laughs> you're very you brave. Like that, you know, and in the time that you're going through that, you don't want to talk about it because you don't know anyone else who's dealing with it. And you're afraid of what people are going to think and you feel really alone. So we've spent many years just struggling together. Like other people knew he was going through some stuff, but not to what extent. We tried everything. Luckily, the reason that we worked is because he always wanted to. Like, it takes two. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't tell him enough that things could get better. He had to take that initiative and try things. And so he did. He tried everything from going to church, which he never, ever was a church going kind of guy, but he was willing to try anything. We spent a couple of years going to church every Sunday that gave him something. I don't know what. It's yeah. very personal to him. We went to the VA. We went to couples counseling. We tried every single thing yeah. until eventually it just kind of clicked for him. And then he did have to get on some medication, you know, because when you go through big traumas like that, it can change the chemicals in your brain. Like it changes who you are. So he does have to take certain medications, uh, probably for the rest of his life. But the accumulation of all of those things over many crazy years, yeah. we're in a really good place right now. Like we don't even think about those things. We laugh every single day. He makes me laugh every single day. He's hilarious. Don't tell him that though, because he has an ego. But I know. I we, we can't give the men the satisfaction no, of it, but no, that no. that's incredible, Jess. That's incredible. And I think it's it's so powerful to hear that you can be in such a low place, but you can still get out of it. And to really what you said, even at the beginning about just working your way from the bottom and up and processing every single step of that until you can find that healing and that joy and that happiness. I just think your story shares so much of that. So so you guys eventually did move to Toledo and this is where you're at now. So let's say things are starting to, to get better. I want to hear a little bit more now about how you started to find your passion and get into baking, which you are, are crowned cakes by Jess. Did I say that correctly? 
You did. Yes. yes. Brown Cakes by Jess. I'll be celebrating eight years in business here in a few weeks. How did then you get, well, can I ask what, what brought you guys to Toledo or what part were you at in your marriage and experience before you moved to Toledo? So to backtrack a little bit, um, my daughter was six months old when we moved here. Prior to that, we had gone through another different kind of difficulty in our marriage. So when I got pregnant with our daughter, that was one of his triggers. And my whole pregnancy was really difficult because whatever it triggered in him, um, that was another point where we could have just ended it right there. But I believe in God's divine timing and that getting pregnant after trying for like three, four years, I've dealt with infertility too. That's another one of my gifts. She finally decided to come around and when my daughter was born, that was a time that Mike was like, okay, I need to get my life back together. Uh, I have a baby girl now and what can we do to fix this? What can we do to heal our family? So we decided at that point that it would be best to get out of Alaska and come down to Toledo where my husband was born and raised. So you get to Toledo and then you pick up a new hobby thanks to Joanne Fabrics. Can we credit Joanne Fabrics or no? (laughs) So yeah, we moved here. I don't know a soul because everyone I know is in Alaska. Spent 24 years there, right? So I'm watching TV a lot when we move here, when he's at work. And Cake Boss was a really big thing at that time. There weren't as many baking shows, right? It was just Cake Boss and Cupcake Wars, I think. (laughs) And I've always been a really creative, artistic person, so... And I've liked to bake. So I think it was one of those underlying things that I've always liked to do, but never thought it would be a job. So I move here and I see Cake Boss. I'm inspired to take a cake decorating class. And then it it led to doing my kids' birthday cakes. And then my husband's friends or the nephew's birthday cakes. And it was a natural talent. Somebody had told me I needed to make it a business. And I'm like, no way. I don't practically self-taught other than that one quick Joanne fabric uh, (laughs) class that didn't teach me anything I really use in my business today. I'm self-taught. I don't know anything about running a business, right? I have very few skills that a business owner has. I'm like, no way. But somebody really pushed me and believed in me that much that they helped me step by step how to start a business, like how to do it correctly. And here I am today, eight years later. I don't know. I don't know how I got here. Sometimes I think that. That's amazing. And you have like a whole storefront, right? I had a storefront. I started out of my house. I did open a storefront. Um, That was six months before COVID. Uh, Yes. So, you know, it was an amazing experience creating that space, though. And it ended up being the largest grand opening in Rossford, this little town that I live in, like, there were people out the door around the corner for it. It was amazing. I'm like, how? who are these people? How'd they find me? I don't know. So very cool experience. I had a storefront for a couple years, but I decided that I liked my freedom more than I liked having that shop. You know, yeah. I lived there 24 yeah. seven and I like to do what I want when I want. I'm a, I'm a freedom seeker at heart. So I was there two years. I've been home for maybe three years now. I wouldn't change it. I like it. So that's amazing. And you recently won an award, right? 
yes, I'm so bad at remembering that. Like, I don't brag about myself. And that does not bode well for someone who likes pageantry. <laughs> and you know how a pageant interview is. Yeah. Like, you gotta say, I've done this, I've done this. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, I did win that award. Yeah. Um, so someone had nominated me for Toledo's Top 20 Under 40. And I'm like, whatever. Yeah. That's silly. Why would they pick me? But I filled it out anyway, because, like, why not, right? Yeah. And so there were about 175 people nominated last year. Amazing. And a big, huge, full house of people at the awards ceremony where they don't tell you ahead of time. It's legit one at a time they start reading your story in this theater and that's how you find out you've won oh my gosh so it was great and then then they play the music that you chose like if you were to win what you, would you want to walk up to so it was so emotional because they started reading my resume i was number 11 so halfway through i'm listening to all of these other people's resumes which were so impressive, like vice presidents of multi-million dollar companies doing all these big things with big numbers in our community. And I'm like, bro, I work out of my house. <laughs> I don't belong here. Let's just sneak out. <laughs> so number 11, they start reading my resume and I'm on the inside freaking out. You know, I'm not a big emotion person on the outside. Um, yeah. And then the song I had chosen to walk to was Miley Cyrus, The Climb. Yes. You know that song? Absolutely. It's, yeah. So if you just listen to the words of that, it just so goes with my life, right? So that is one time I have cried in public walking up to that stage. Um, it's an honor of a lifetime for sure. What an incredible moment for you and um, so richly deserved. Like, I, I mean, I, I hope you get to hold on to that feeling and that, that memory forever. And I'm sure that song uh, has very special meaning to you now, if not even before, even more so now. Um, I'm a big, big music person. So, and the power of music and the words and, and how it can make you feel and how it can bring up memories. And so... Uh, now I'm going to think of you every time I hear that song. And uh, this is just such a story, Jess. And I am rooting for you in your book because I know that you have experienced a lot of trauma and a lot of challenges, but you've also found strength and healing and growth through this process. And you have made it through to the other side. And I think a lot of people maybe who are going through something really traumatic or some really challenging times can find inspiration and hope through stories like yours. So I, I'm rooting for this book. I will be the first person on pre-sale to buy it and to read it in one sitting because I think so highly of you. It, so. takes, it takes the reflection sometimes of remembering how far you've come because I live my life now generally very happy and at peace and in my home in this space that i created um very content right but i forget sometimes what i was like 20 years ago like yeah. i was such a scared person living in scarcity mode and poverty and um just very lost not not knowing how to get there right yeah 
And we're human. Like we're always right. going to thrive for the strive for the next thing, right? Right. Find a goal. We're gonna make a new goal. We're gonna make a new goal. We're always gonna push the finish line. So you get to this place that you're so content and happy with where you are while you're going for that next thing. Yeah. I think that's something everyone needs to know too. Like re- remember that once you hit your goal, enjoy it, but don't put it on the, like, I'll be happy when I'll be happy when we do that. And it's just not true. I think that that's a really, really great message. And, um, if, if, is that like your final message? If you had anything else that you could leave the listener with, like just to remember, or if there's this is the one thing they take away from our conversation, what would that be? I think that is a great ending message, right? Um, just enjoy the journey. I yeah. think that really will be the theme of my book, finding a way to appreciate everything that has happened to you because if it weren't for some of that heavy stuff, I wouldn't have as much compassion for others around me. I wouldn't have as much drive, I don't think. Like, because I've been through the worst of the worst, um, it makes me appreciate being where I am today. And, you know, I'm not the richest person. I'm not like the most of anything, but I'm just so content with where I am. It's I think that's what people want is that peace and contentment. And they think certain dollar amounts or whatnot, certain, certain pageant titles, <laughs> guilty, guilty of it. Achieving those goals are great, but they're not the main thing. Well, I think that is uh, the perfect message to leave with. And I'm going to hold on to that as well. Jess, thank you so much for your time. Uh, everybody listening, I hope you have a really great day because you deserve it. Thank you.